Okay. Cameron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really glad to have you on, actually, buddy. Um, I think Happy provides, to be here. Uh, thank you. I think it provides a different aspect as well, because with your military background, the way you live in, some of the challenges that you're doing, I think you kind of... You, you provide like an old school kind of mentality with a with a modern lifestyle, and I think that blend is nice to see. Um, if I always get the guests to kind of describe who they are or t- tell the audience who they are and describe what they do, and you know, I guess the purpose of being on the podcast, kind of their motive and their mentality. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Because I think if I do it, it's, you know, I just get it all wrong. And <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Sure. No problem. So. Um... So yeah, quick overview of me then, I guess, um, I started out in fitness, uh, and I've moved very much into sort of the, the, the fitness meets mindset space. Um, so as you alluded to former Royal Marine, uh, left Royal Marines got, got headhunted out to the, the MENA region to work with, uh, VIPs out there, uh, personal training. Um, and then since then, like I say, I've moved very much more in towards the mindset space. I've always been pretty fascinated with the connection between, you know, fitness and, and the mind, the brain, the body. Um, and so that's led me into this, uh, this space now where I'm doing sort of total human performance, uh, coaching packages. So geared very much towards, uh, sort of executives, professionals, um, high achievers, alpha males who are looking to, to go sort of well beyond the average when it comes to sort of fitness, um, performance at work, career development, personal development, uh, yeah, and trying to sort of cover all the bases of, of good health, basically. The, uh, the military stuff really excites me. I just, um, you know, I just think it provides kind of a mentality that isn't seen in the modern era. You know, we're, we're in an era now where it's like, don't discipline your kids, don't hit your kids, don't, you know, that kind of old school sense. I'm not saying that's good, but that kind of old set, uh, old school kind of mindset is gone. And I think it's gone in every aspect. Is there anything that you would say is happening kind of in, in a military sense that men could kind of use in the modern era that we've kind of lost? Like for me personally, I think it's the the kind of weakness of mindset, like things go wrong and guys kind of turn to a way out. The one, the one example I always use is uh, masturbation. So I think when things go wrong in guys' lives, they, you know, they turn to porn, masturbation, they kind of like cower, especially when it comes to women. Um, is there anything that you say like the military kind of lifestyle is still, you know, you know, more guys need that kind of mentality? Does it teach you anything that more men need to understand? You know, I think, I mean, for me, I, I always look back on my career with a little bit of disappointment because I, I didn't sort of tick all the boxes that I hoped to tick when I was there. Um, and, and I just, I tried to focus on the benefits, you know, the, the lessons that I'd learned there were, were still invaluable. And, and I think for me, one of the main benefits is putting into perspective what is a hard day, what is hard work, because we've naturally evolved down this path where, you know, less and less jobs are, are manual now. You know, we're going down down the route of, you know, obviously technological revolution. Lots of hard labor jobs are, are becoming automated, being taken care of by machines. We've got AI, all this stuff, you know, more and more um, professional services jobs becoming available. Um, and I think... And also, you know, it's been, it's been a little while now since we're exposed to a conventional war. So we're getting less and less exposure as a species 
to these really kind of brutal times, you know, these, these, these times that we go through where everybody is impacted by something as savage as war or, you know, I mean, this pandemic obviously has been pretty serious for people, but let's face it, you know, it's, it's not the bubonic plague, you know, it's, it's still on the grand scale of things. When we look back at the history of pandemics, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty minuscule. Um, and so for me, that's a massive one, you know, it just puts into perspective what actually is fucking hard work. <laughs> you know, I, I always, I'm always privileged that I can compare a bad day now to the shittest day that I had when I was, you know, yomping through the hills of some godforsaken <laughs> terrain with however much weight in a, in a Bergen on my back, not having any idea when it's going to be over, you know, or my fifth or sixth day in the field with, with very little sleep or whatever, you know, I can, I can, I can probably never hope to recreate a scenario as bad as, as the worst I've, that's played out for me during my military career, even without being, um, operationally deployed. So for me, that's a massive benefit. I think definitely, um, if there would be one number one advantage of bringing back something like national service or, you know, something along those lines, that that would probably be it before we completely tail end off of the, the culture of having to go out and do really hard work. I mean, it's probably really only farmers, um, and military personnel that really get exposed to those kind of really prolonged long hours of hard work. Now, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I, I might have missed the profession there, but yeah, that's, that would be my, that would be my, my first thoughts on it. I, I remember when I was growing up, I was doing labor and some of the days were so tough. Like they, they'd bring in one of the, uh, mm. I think it was the six foot skips and the ramp going up to one of those six foot skips when the wheelbarrow was full. And you do that repeatedly mm. for four hours, lunch break, back again, four or five hours repeatedly. Maybe you get on the jackhammer, maybe the sledgehammer, you know, just banging the sledgehammer onto concrete. And I just think, and, and to, like even today, and this was, I was doing this like five, six, seven years ago. And even today, the, that discipline, and that kind of mentality that I built doing that and that, that somewhat body hardening has stuck with me today where although I haven't done it for a while and I do a lot more sitting in front of the desk now, when you do, let's say you're at the gym and it's a really heavy, like personal best deadlift, you've still got it there. You know, your mentality is still, I, I know what this is. This is nothing too difficult. Um, yeah. What, what do you think in terms of, like, let's say, body hardening? We touched on it then. Like what can you do to replace what we've lost as men? So... You know, it, it, it's somewhat good that we're not, obviously it's great, we're not going to war as much anymore. You know, it's somewhat good that we're not living the way that we used to. The modern world is nice for men to live in, and so it should be. But like we said, we, we are losing certain aspects that perhaps you would say, you would see, let's say, in the military. So how can we replace that? Is it fitness? Is that where you kind of come in into that, like, body hardening? You know, I've, I've seen you doing a ton of fitness challenges, I think. You know, I think they're brilliant. We'll get onto them later. But do you think that's the way to do it? To kind of like push yourself? And how would you do that? Yeah, I, I think it goes beyond fitness. Yeah, you know, and this is you know very much going into the into the area that I'm really passionate about here because fitness only takes care of so much. You know, and fitness can still be very comfortable. Uh, and this is a big problem that I see with with, with people uh, a lot of the time when they come to me and, and say that they've been following a program but they're not seeing the results. And yeah, you know, they'll show me a program and I think. Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're ticking most of the boxes here. You know, the the, the movements are looking good, uh, and then what kind of comes to fruition is that is the intensity of effort that's that's lacking. You know, and and again, this is a problem with hit training. You know, hit training has has um, been sort of marked 
selected as like the panacea for time efficient training, but most people don't realize that they're not actually doing it to the intensity that you need to get that epoch effect where you're burning all the calories for however many hours afterwards. Uh, And so fitness can be very comfortable, you know, fitness, keeping fit is not the same as pushing yourself to your limit and resetting the boundaries of what you perceive to be possible. And, and I think the first thing that's, that's required to get there is to, is to understand that there are massive benefits of doing that that cannot be found anywhere else. You know, and, and again, going back to the, to, the, to the first question, you know, massive benefit of being in the Marines, like having to be pushed to that limit on a regular basis, taken out of your comfort zone. You know, I, I really think it's a very difficult thing to try to describe to somebody how beneficial that is mentally without them doing it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think uh, in answer to your question, there are definitely things that, that people can be doing and it's probably the hardest thing to, to self-motivate to do and that is to take yourself out of your comfort zone on a regular basis. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be something absolutely brutal. It doesn't have to be something as intense as signing up to an Ironman next week or, you know, to go and do a marathon if you're still, if you're still getting used to running your first 5K. Um, but it can be just little things, you know, just taking yourself out of your comfort zone. If you somebody who suffers from social anxiety, you know, I've, I've dealt with this kind of stuff with, with clients of mine before and I've got them to just um, – make a habit of going to a new place each week on their own, maybe a cafe, try somewhere new. Uh, and, and we'll always do sort of, you know, every week that I, that I have with clients, we'll have little micro aims and I've, I've set people homework, like strike up a conversation with the person behind the counter. Next time you go to a cafe, you know, so it's not even necessarily fitness based, you know, other things can be, um, you know, obviously fitness, you know, obviously pushing yourself harder than, than you've gone before. Um, that's, that's a very obvious one. Uh, others can be less obvious. You know, I think daily disciplines for me is, it is a big one. I, I like to do things daily that make me uncomfortable. Like my, my sort of go to one at the moment is, is cold showers. Yeah. You know, I'll, I hate them. <laughs> Yeah. Everyone hates them. I, I hate them, <laughs> you know? but, but is something about it, mate. There's something about, you know, self motivating to get into a fucking freezing cold shower first thing in the morning, spending three or four minutes in there and then getting out and knowing that most people won't do that, but that you did it all of your own and that's your hard thing for the day done and now you know you're wide awake you know neurotransmitters are firing uh, body's warming up blood's flowing all that good stuff so yeah that long answer i'll always give you a no, long like answer it. but <laughs> more information to come back off um what sort of benefits are you getting from the cold showers are you feeling that they're, they're legit or not yeah absolutely i think um i think physiologically speaking they're not as beneficial as as a uh, full submersion in cold. Yeah. Um, I, I think for me, like the, the mental aspects is, it is the most beneficial side of it. Just the fact that it's miserable and no one wants to do it and just, and just getting in and getting it done anyway. Um, but yeah, from, from a, from a physiological point of view, I do think that there's some benefit. Um, you know, cold therapy in general is a bit of a funny one because if you actually try to find 
a decent body of credible science that backs up the the benefits of cold treatment it's it's actually not that easy to find um and it's just one yeah, yeah, no one wants to justify it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we can still convince ourselves that it's not useful. You know, <laughs> yeah. we'll come up with a, an idea. Um, but but yeah, like in all seriousness, it's one of those things that's just been it's been tried and tested so much by so many populations that we just know. Yeah, yeah, it works. It reduces inflammation, it increases blood flow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think physiologically speaking, yeah, it increases blood flow, which is always good. Um, you know, and. Uh, and, it, and it's good as a stressor. Yeah, you know, we can potentially go into a bit more detail about this. People always see, always, always talk about stress as if it's always negative, which isn't true. You know, you've got two types of stress, distress, you stress. You stress is good stress. Um, you know, and sometimes stressors have this beneficial effect. And I think as a stressor, it can be quite good for, again, sort of stimulating the right kinds of neurotransmitters, chemicals in the brain, you know, getting the norepinephrine going. Um, first thing, which, you know, wakes the body up, gets you alert. So yeah, uh, for me, mindset, mentally, the, I think the benefits are more aligned to that. But there's there's some physiological benefit there as well. I think. How do you think you build that mindset? Because all of us know that the mind is like the start of everything that you do, whatever it is. Do you think that mm. stems from fitness? Do you think fitness is the best way to achieve that? Because me and Steve, who comes on the podcast quite a lot, he's a personal trainer. We always talk about how yeah. all areas are important. You need to be like a renaissance type of man. But at the core of that is fitness because it kind of gives you that energy. It gives you that. It's very easy to mm. for an hour and feel better. Like you've improved very quickly. And there, but it's very hard to do that mm. in other, other areas of life, but it kind of gives you that kick, that kickstart for the rest of the day. The re I think if you yeah. went to the gym on a Monday morning at 5 a.m. till 6 a.m., you're more likely to go on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, whereas if you skip the Monday, I guarantee you're going to skip another two or three days. And what, what do you think in terms yeah. of, let's say, the catalyst for everything else? Do you think it is fitness or do you think it, it stems somewhere else? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I always try to encourage clients to adopt uh, a few keystone habits, first and foremost. So keystone habit being any any habit that acts as a catalyst for more positive behavior. You know, and I, I think absolutely fitness is, is probably the most obvious um, keystone habit. You know, people who generally have that that structure based around movement um, tend to find that that'll, that'll have some positive impact on on the whole rest of their lives. You know, and, and again, I mean, you know, I think what's not getting talked about enough in in health in general is is the relationship between between movement and the brain. You know, essentially, health comes very much down to but in very large part to, to chemical balance, you know, ke chemical um, regulation in the brain, you know, no, no one who's unhappy is healthy. So, yeah, um, so yeah, I'm kind of di digressing slightly from, from the question, but the answer to the, to the question really for me is, is practice. Um, that might sound sort of frighteningly obvious and simple, yeah. but you know, I, I get people saying to me all the time, things like, yeah, I just don't have any discipline. And, you know, discipline isn't something that you have or don't have. It's, it's by definition, it's practice. Uh, and, and people say, I, I don't have motivation or, or motivation. It, you know, discipline is part of motivation and, and, and motivation very much goes hand in hand with energy and action breeds energy, you know, inactivity breeds lethargy, breeds laziness, you know, down regulates 
metabolic functions in the body, the, the less we do, the less we feel like we want to do. I and mean, this is one of the reasons why high performers, um, you know, high achievers, these alpha, alpha male guys who, or, well, and, and, and women, you know, super professional, super busy women, entrepreneurs, they tend to, to have more energy then the population that's doing a lot less because they're always on high alert. You know, they're always moving. They're always looking for the next thing to do. Um, and I think that's the worst, the, the worst kind of cycle that people can fall into is, is not including that keystone habit of movement, then developing that lethargy off the back of that inactivity, finding that they've got no energy, which then translates into no motivation, saying they don't have discipline when actually discipline is just the thing they're not doing. Um, yeah, and then we and then we get into that cycle. So, absolutely agree with you. Like, fitness is probably the most key, uh, most obvious keystone habit that, that seems to have a positive impact on everything else. I know it sounds crazy. I've had this debate with a few people, but because you, you said a minute ago that um, un, unhealthy people are unhappy, um, and I've always said that, or some, I might be paraphrasing what you said, but it was something around that realm. And I've always mm. said that. A lot of depression, because depression is the is the biggest killer of men under fifty. So it just says it's a major problem, mm. you know. But I, I think one way to get rid of that, simple as it sounds, is to just get off your ass and go for a run or start lifting weights. I, I really I, think that eighty ninety percent of cases would be solved if people just went fuck it. Do you know what? I'm going to go and lift as heavy as I can for an hour, and then make it into a consistent yeah. thing. You know, and having a great body, being in shape, isn't going to be end all and be all. It's not going to make you happy. But it's like we said, it's going to be that catalyst. And I, I know myself, if I have a lazy day and I don't, and it's supposed to be my rest day, but I start to feel negative, maybe a Sunday. And it, I'm not supposed to, I'm not scheduled to go to the gym that day. I'm like, fuck it. Let me just do something. Let mm. me go outside. Let me do some practice. And you, you instantly, an hour later, feel better. And you might have been depressed yeah. all the way up to like 4 or 5 p.m. And then you go to the gym for an hour, you come back, you want to stay up all night and work. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, and, you know, I, I haven't verified this as a genuine quote, but I remember seeing a, a c classic Facebook meme <laughs> with Jim Carrey's, Jim Carrey's face on it. And, um, you know, regardless of if it belongs to him or not, like, I totally agree wholeheartedly with the, with the statement, which was something like, um, you know, I, I believe that depression's a, a real thing, but if you're not, moving regularly, eating well, getting plenty of sunlight, you know, uh, maintaining good social relationships and, you know, something else, then you're not giving happiness a fighting chance. And, and that, that really kind of sums up the, the whole thing. You know, we are products of our lifestyle and a lifestyle is a combination of habits. You know, it's a culmination of habitual behaviors I mean, if you sit down now and write a list of everything you do that's habitual, you know, it's going to be probably 80 to 90% of the things that you do. You know, most of us get up in the morning, we have the same morning routine, we go to the same place for work, we go to the same places for lunch, we eat the same food, we come back home to the same place, we go to the gym, to the same gym each day. You know, we're so habitual creatures. And, and, and so, you know, the outcome of that is that behavior. And, and this is why I like to promote um, these non-negotiable daily disciplines. So, you know, like going back to, to fitness being a, key, a keystone habit, I find that very much in the early days when, when I've got clients moving into a, a program off the back of doing nothing at all, if they don't do something every day, it's very easy for them or very difficult for them to build that initial habit. So, 
if it's not going to be a strenuous exercise session, then we'll have a non-negotiable activity in there, which could be just going for a walk or, you know, a quick, you know, simple body weight, superset, you know, push-ups and sit-ups in the living room, 10 minutes done, you know, something like that. And, and having those, those non-negotiable habits that are a predetermined decision that don't require any motivation or self-encouragement that are just going to happen. You've, you've, you've already made that decision in your mind. You know, that can sometimes be the key to, um, to making that happen. Have you ever read the book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harp? No, Unbelievable I haven't. Book. It's like the one thing that I always took from that book is that he kind of spoke about how um, there's, there's like generational similarities. So somebody, somebody like, might have a somebody might be earning let's say forty fifty thousand a year might have two kids and live in a certain area with a kind of set up lifestyle they'll have kids and fast forward 30 40 years go and test them and the lifestyle is almost you know there's almost symmetry between the two and they were saying right. very few people get out of the kind of i don't want to say like negative or rut because everybody's individual you know their parents journey is their parents journey you know but everyone kind of mirrors what their parents did but they don't realize they're doing it because it's it's 30 or 40 years apart from where their parents were. So the technology changes, the house changes, um, let's say inflation, so the price of stuff changes. So it appears as though they're having a better life than they are, but in actuality, they're just re reliving their parents' life with different uh, different figures and different, like let's say, props in place. That's crazy, right? Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I love these kind of... Uh... It's kind of social sciences, you know, sort of psychological research and stuff like that. It's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah th th there's, there's another, there's a study out there that, um, that has some really crazy, some really crazy metrics. It was like, um, oh man, I'm just going to butcher it now, but it was something like, um, it, there's, there's quite a high percentage increase of a person being obese if they live within like one mile of a friend who's obese. <laughs> Stuff like really? that. So, like it, wow. it is really strange how we mirror, uh, you know, behaviors within a culture, you know, the, the benchmarks that are set by our influence and stuff like, you know, and, and on a total subconscious level, like you were talking about now, like you would, you know, these people would never realize that they're, that they're mirroring the, the lifestyle that their parents had. It feels yeah. different at the time or there's such a big gap. But yeah, that's really interesting, man. Well, I always find it crazy when they're like, oh, I live within 10 minutes of like my parents' house. You know, unless you live in like the main <laughs> yeah. places. Like, if your parents grew up in New York and you now live in New York, like there's little reason to leave. Mm. That's where you want to be, you know. But when people kind of grow up like just, oh, I've moved down the road. You're like, Are you, have you moved? Yeah. I, I think it's just testament to how tribal we are, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've really, and, and I get it, you know, everybody wants to be part of something. And, and, and for me, like, this is the trick. This is why I think it's so important for kids to get into sports when they're young, because everybody wants to be, wants to be part of something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, the Marines as well. It's, it's, you know, same thing. Everyone who's ever been in, in the Marines, um, or, or the military in general typically will, will say, you know, regardless of whether they enjoyed the career or not, that the thing that they miss was, was the lads, you know, was the camaraderie. And, um, yeah, it's amazing how we'll always gravitate towards those, um, you know, those communities within communities that, that marry up with our own, you know, with our own thinking, with our own behaviors and, and so forth. I think everyone's kind of seen the boot camps and stuff that military people do. What, what, what do they do by way of like mentality? 
you know what is it that you were exposed to while you were there that you think was you know is it yeah. kind of testing did they put you put you to mm. yeah it's an interesting one i i always hear um <laughs> uh, so you know people always love to to have an opinion about stuff there even if they don't really understand it and 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 i hear a lot of um like throwaway comments about uh, about the marines specifically but you know the military in general and and one i always really laugh at is when people say yeah in training you know they they they, they break you down so they can build you back up you know <laughs> this one always this one always really makes me laugh yeah because that that's not really the way i saw it you know it was like the the whole the whole period of, of training is, is a mindset test. You know, it's, it's how much shit can you tolerate and still want to be here at the end? Like that's it. And everyone says, Oh, you must've been so physically fit to get into the Marines. It's like, I think I was about as fit when I started as I was when I finished, to be honest. Like I just had the mental capacity to, to pass the test by the time I got to the end, because I was so used to being uncomfortable at that time. It just, you know, you just put up with anything, but yeah, that was the most surprising thing for me really was seeing the fittest guys in the troop. Yeah. So, so I started off, so just, just for a bit of background for anyone who doesn't know, like the Marines is a bit different from the other military services and that everybody trains to do the same job initially. So everybody goes to commando training center to train as a, as a rifleman, commando trained rifleman. Then you go to a fighting unit and then you specialize in, in another job afterwards. So unlike the army where you would do sort of basic training, but with a, with a mind to go into a certain trade and then go straight into a job, you know, every, everybody's trained to do the same, to do the same job. Um, and uh, you, I started off in a group of 60 guys and there were, I think there was 24 of us left by the end, which is actually a surprisingly large number. So, yeah, that just gives people listening an idea of how many people do not make it. You know, most people who apply never make it into training and most people who start training do not make it to the end. And the most surprising thing for me was seeing the fittest guys pretty much all weeded out by like week four or five, you know, and then realizing like, wow, okay, this is just going to be a war of mental attrition. Like who can just put up with it, you know? And, and that's the only way I managed to pass. Like, I'll happily admit I wasn't one of the like, strongest members in my troop, but I just made the deal with myself. Oh, I was not going to leave under my own steam. Like someone was, something was going to have to go badly wrong. <laughs> That's fascinating yeah. to me. I love that sort of stuff because I've always said it's just who stays in those trenches longest. Like it, yeah. it's, it's a really weird thing in life that when things are going horribly wrong, the only thing you've got left is sticking with it. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you can work, you can try this. Sometimes you've got no option but just just to stay in that trench. And it's a very mm. strange thing because out of nowhere, it's kind of like when you see in the films where it's pouring with rain and then suddenly it all fades away and the sun comes up. You know, it's like one of those moments mm. where just out of nowhere yeah. it just goes click and it's like okay, finished, you win. It's just, it happens yeah. with entrepreneurialism a lot. And I always say to people that a thousand people might start in the field that you're in. You, they might, there might be loads mm-hmm. that are better than you, but are they willing to do 20 years, you know, with zero, yeah. let's say 12 yeah. years is the average before anybody gets success. Like who, who, how many people do you know yeah. are willing to do 12 years without any problem? Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. know like 10, yeah. 
I could probably count <laughs> 10 people that I actually know who aren't yeah. ready, who could probably have that mindset to go 12 years without making any money, you know, commit all their time yeah. on the weekends, see their 20s out and just keep going. And there's just mm. something about being that one fucker in the group that just says, <laughs> yeah. nah, I'm going to stay here. You know, the one stubborn person that just yeah. sticks it out to the end. It's the, it's the same in trading and everything. You know, when everyone's going, okay, we're going to go that way. We're going to sell. The one person that goes, I think I'm going to buy, you know, and the person who everyone's selling, he just holds onto it a bit longer and makes that little bit extra. It's like, there's something about yeah. stubbornness and, you know, selfishness that kind of gets people somewhere. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And that's, that. for me, that's one of the most interesting things about reading into, um, you know, entrepreneurs that have made it, you know, is, is realizing the... Uh, the truth about the inverted commas overnight success yeah. that actually took like 10 years, yeah. you know, getting turned down by 98 investors before <laughs> 99 would, would, would give you the time of day and, and all of this stuff, you know, and, oh man, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely the way. And you, you got to kind of, I guess one method is to sort of fear of loss yourself almost that, you know, the next week that you stay in the game might be the week that you make it, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, you, you always got to draw that comparison between, you know, like worst case scenario versus best case scenario, you know, now is not worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is that I quit today. And then next week, uh, you know, I could have made it and I'll be out of here doing something else. Wondering if, if that was the week, you know, or, or whatever, yeah, it's kind of the ideal scenario isn't it where everyone kind of hopes that mm. next week it will pay off like you I, I i love this picture but i always see it as the one where there's one guy who's like a millimeter from the diamond and he's given up and walking mm. back and then the guy at the bottom is still miles away but he's not given up he's still chopping towards it. yeah and uh that's that's great but usually it's like uh, i think it was groupon you know it's a company like that who they start they tried groupon i think it was like five or ten years earlier but it was too early like the technology wasn't ready. People weren't willing to sign up. I don't think vouchers had really popped off. And then, you know, five or 10 years later, it starts to work and they come into the game. So sometimes it's a matter of timing of being like, okay, maybe I put it to the side for a year or two. Maybe I'll go back to the drawing board. But you know, just having that mentality of like, if it takes until I'm 50 or 60, then fuck it. If this is what I want to do, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep pushing forward. You're, um, mm. you're training a lot of CEOs, right? So you said high performing people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's I uh, before. Yeah, there's some pretty distinct differences I've noticed between you know people who are very high performers with work um, in, in the way they train compared to you know compared to to the rest of us, <laughs> I guess. Um, and and for me, it's it's the energy, you know. And there goes back to what we were saying: like action breeds energy. Like these guys will work all day. Like I actually, I trained, I, I spent a season out in uh, the French Alps um, training a, uh, an investment broker. And so like this guy would be up first thing. He'd be on the, you know, on the, um, he's got his like command center set up, you know, like five different screens, the phone's going all day. All I can hear are these little like whistles and beeps, you know, as, as, as trades get made. And he's just like, you know, viewing it like the matrix by this point, just go, yeah, just like absolutely flying along, making all these deals and stuff. And then he'll literally be like, right, jump up. Okay, Jim, let's go, you know? And, yeah. and it's that kind of energy. Like you know, that's the difference between, yeah. And, 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 and again, you know, I, I really think it's, it comes down to practice. 
You know, people don't realize that willpower is not an inherent trait. It's something that gets reinforced through discipline. And a, a big part of motivation is just momentum, is getting going. When you're going, when you're up on the wave, you know, you can just surf that right the way back into the beach, you know, but you've got to get up and on it. And, and you've got to try and stay on it. And as soon as you come off, you've got to get back on, on the next one. You know, you, you can't give yourself a chance to start drowning. Otherwise, you're going to end up under, you know, underwater. So that's been the, the main difference for me is the, the amount of energy that these guys, these guys put in. And, and I think another, another big part of it is having the predetermined decision made. You know, these guys don't give themselves a chance to negotiate with the option of not doing it, you know, the standard is just higher, you know, and, 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 you know, this comes back to, to one of the questions earlier as well, a massive benefit of, of some being a part of an organization like the Marines, everything you do is set at a higher standard. You know, most of the training is bullshit. It's, it's making you make your bed every day. It's making you shave every day. It's making you clean your accommodation every day. You know, you're getting picked up for, for stuff and you're just like, yeah. And that's it. You know, that, that's the stuff that kind of breaks people. Cause you're like, fuck man, I came here to be a soldier. You know, I wanted to be, yeah, I, shoot I wanted to be running through <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. By this point. <laughs> yeah. With my, yeah. And, um, you know, but there's a, there's a point to it. You know, there's a point to being out on the drill square, marching around like an idiot, doing ridiculous, you know, stuff that's that's only ever going to be useful when uh, when one of the royal family passes away. And you know, it just yeah. breeds discipline. You know, it just breeds discipline, and discipline bolsters willpower. And then eventually, you know, when something becomes a habit, it goes from being the stuff that you need to motivate yourself for to just the shit that you do. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's when it becomes your lifestyle. That's when it becomes seamless. And, you know, when, I, when it's a habit, it's a predetermined decision. You know, it, when you're a guy who's, who's um, already made the decision that you're going to be training today after eight hours of making trades, like you're just going to do it. You're not going to get to that point and go, oh, I'm not going to do it anymore. Like that decision's been made because that's the standard and that's just, that's your routine. Um, and, and I think a, a reason why a lot of people fail in like the fitness journeys the self-development journeys is they just don't quite hang out long enough to, to turn those habits into a robust system of predetermined decisions. You know, you're still, still in that phase of having to motivate yourself to do everything. It's a bit difficult. Your motivation starts high. It tends to ebb after the first, you know, three or four weeks, maybe a month. Uh, and then right at that point where you're probably in all in all reality on the tipping point of becoming much more efficient at it and not having to think about it all and not having to make those decisions at the time that you're trying not to negotiate with weakness, you know, then they give up. And um, yeah, so can't remember the original question. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is the first man podcast. It's not important. Yeah, it's the best way to do it, man. The best way to do it is organic. Yeah. If, you, if you kind of do it like the BBC, I just... I, I used to watch Jonathan yeah. Ross and get so annoyed. He used, he used to ask a question and while the person was umming and iron, he'd interrupt and ask another one and I was like, what was the point? What was the point in that first yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had an agenda yeah. to drive it down a certain route and keep it, keep things entertaining. And it's like, do you know, I think mm. entertainment is more getting something from it. 
I personally think yeah. the new form of entertainment is extracting something you can then take into your own life because that, you know, you'll remember that a lot longer. It's not like, oh, he's got a cool guest on. It's like, shit, I learned something from that. I can put it into mm. my own life. I'm going to come back because, you know, that tweaks, that, that triggers something in your brain where it's like a thank you. So I think it's much more important. Mm. So it's just like if, if you just go off tangent to another question, but you provide some key material for someone else that I wasn't thinking of, yeah, that's even better yeah. than what we planned. So I think that's great. Oh, perfect. What, what yeah, kind of, we're, I'm in the right spot. <laughs> what kind of challenges have you been up to lately? I saw your WhatsApp picture. I don't know if you noticed someone on your WhatsApp picture as well. There's some ladies in the back. It looks like they're cheering for you. Did you know them? Or you just you're a yeah, guy. actually I did. Yeah, it's funny because I uh, I didn't actually realise that you could see them in that picture when yeah, I yeah. when I put it up. <laughs> but that's actually yeah, that's that's part of my fan club. They oh, uh, really? they follow me everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my that's my girlfriend. And um, so I that was actually that was a, an Ironman that I that I ran yeah. last year uh, in August, and um, it was actually. It was so I was coaching one of my friends at the time and he'd switched fire at the last minute from wanting to get kind of jacked and ripped to getting to getting back into triathlon because of changing circumstances. And he's done triathlon before. So he's like, Oh, you know, I was wondering, you know, what do you think would be the chances of pulling off an Ironman with within a year? And um anyway, one thing led to another and I was like, you know what? we're going to do one. We're both doing Ironman in August. So we signed up to this thing, never even ridden a road bike, didn't have a bike. was like, okay, first things first, need to find myself a bike. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I, I ended up, uh, <laughs> ended up smashing this Ironman in, in August, which was, which was pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, the girls are, are my, my missus and, and his missus in the background. <laughs> so, and, the, and the sister. Um, you know, I really think it just depends what, what comes down to your strengths. So for me, as soon as I finished the swim, I was happy because I was a terrible swimmer before I, before I started training for the Ironman. I ended up getting a coach about five weeks before because I was still so inefficient in the pool that I was genuinely worried if I was actually going to finish the swim. So yeah, so, so so I just have massive anxiety about the water, and obviously, having never even done like a short triathlon, I had no idea what to expect. I I didn't know how it was going to go with the transitions. I'd not managed to swim that far during a training session. I'd gone into a pool and done roughly, um, uh, roughly about three k, I think, in the pool. Um, and yeah, I was just, I was just praying that I was going to actually make it to the other end, but that ideally I would get out in, in under 90 minutes as well. And chances were looking swim, uh, slim, uh, swim. <laughs> so, um, no pun intended. Um, so yeah, so, so, um, cycling was like the next one down for me. Cause I'd done a lot of running before, like I'd been running for, um, like running cross country for, for my unit when I'd been in, uh, when I'd been in the core. Um, I'd run marathons with like weight on my back and stuff like that. So like I, I knew I was pretty well equipped for the run. So it's weird because I was actually looking forward to the run. It was kind of a sadistic mentality really, because <laughs> you've already done, <laughs> you've already done a 3.8 K swim, 108 kilometer cycle. And then I was kind of getting into this marathon with a smile on my face. Like, right now I know I'm, you know, I'm all over it. I can smash this bit. So yeah, for, for me, the swim was the hardest. 
And uh, yeah, the run was actually like surprisingly pleasant just because I, I knew I'd made it by that point. I was definitely going to finish it. Yeah, I saw, I saw some science before about when you're on your last rep, you know, and it's hurting so much. If you smile, you can push out another two or three. And I think there's something to do with actually, mm. like, you know, enjoying it and tricking your brain chemistry into saying, okay, we can do this and feeling familiar with something. I think there's definitely something to that. Absolutely, yeah. This is there are there are studies into this um, sort of neuros, neuropsychology of, uh, of 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 exercise where they show that people who smile when they're training do do tend to achieve better performance. Uh, this uh, Ross Edgley's always uh, harping on about this as well, like the guy who swam around Great Britain. And um, I haven't read his book yet, but I think he touches on on this in his new book. Um, but yeah, that's that also kind of ties in with the with the ethos of the Marines as well. You know, one of the, one of the core, um, sort of characteristics that they, that they encourage you to, uh, to, to pay a lot of focus on when you're in training is that is cheerfulness in the face of adversity. And, you know, I didn't think I really understood the implications of it from a sort of, uh, neuropsychological point of view when I was, when I was going through the motions of it. But, you know, I, I think that's really the whole point, you know, when you're, when you're more cheerful, obviously it brings up people around you, but actually for yourself, it does you a lot of favors. You know, when you start playing the victim, you start feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. That, that's just, that's just created a whole new level of hurt that, that you don't need to tolerate. You know, if you could just crack a smile and, and, and crack on. Yeah. And, and it definitely, yeah, it's definitely something in it. I remember there was one guy. Um, so I ran it in Copenhagen and uh, you know, you've got the, you've got the, um, like your national flag on your, on your bib. So everyone can see where you're from. And there was one English guy that was in the crowd at this one point of the marathon, which was four loops. And every time I ran past him, he cheered me on and called, called my name. Uh, and, and every time I looked up, he was stood there. I remember he was just stood there with a pint in his hand and this massive stupid grin, like knowing that it was going to make me laugh. Uh, and that was like, <laughs> that was the point of the lap. Yeah. That really spurred me on. Really yeah. kept me going. Like, I wish I knew who that guy was. I would have loved to have like gone to him at the end of the like, mate, you've got no idea how much that actually <laughs> Uh, picked me up but yeah so for sure there's something in it definitely what I like about uh, well when we had our first call what I gathered from you is that the first call we had you were out in the woods you know I could hear the birds chirping you were like yeah I like to just get out and you know see different things and I saw a couple pictures on your LinkedIn where it looked as though you were in you were on Mars you know you're in the middle of nowhere and um, (laughs) it's so important to um, kind of get out of that hustle and bustle of the city now and again and just kind of challenge yourself on I guess you would call like old school terrains you know where it's just the land is just natural it's, it's natural landscape. It's, it's, it's just as it always was. It's not like a, a bench press, but you know, where you're just led in a perfect position. It's, it's perfectly balanced. Like when I used to do laboring, we used to have to pick up blocks, just giant rocks and beams and stuff that was so unbalanced. There was more weight on the right than the left. And I just think it's so important to do those kind of things. And that's what I loved about your training of like seeing you in the, in the great outdoors, just trying different shit. I thought that was amazing. What kind of places have you been to? Yeah, I mean, firstly, I think I think what you're saying is absolutely bang on. It's hugely important. I mean, I I try to stay in my lane a little bit sometimes when uh when I'm making videos and content and stuff, but I, I'm all, almost 
on the brink of pseudoscience and <laughs> and kind of kind of taking the sort of hippie esque um, route with some of the stuff because I really um, passionately believe that one of the big influencing factors towards a decline in in public health is a deep disconnect with nature and that is being steadily proven by by modern western science anyway you know we know that you know as an example um you know you get these hippies that love to to go out and 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 like connect with the earth and and go barefoot and and stuff like that um but we know that there is an electrical charge on, on the surface of the earth and that when you know, you're in contact with that, that, that has a, 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 um, an influence on your, on your, on the electrical charges on the surface of our skin and that that influences, um, uh, transitions from like, uh, the parasympathetic nervous system or sorry, from the sympathetic nervous system back to the parasympathetic nervous system. So going from a state of alertness back to rest, you know, which is one of the most important things for people to be trying to do nowadays, because we're obviously, always exposed to loads of stimulus around us our sensory receptions on max level all of the time you know, especially if you live in a city it's no secret that cities are uh, kind of bad for health really in, com- in comparison to rural locations and uh, you know one of the reasons for that is is there's just so much stuff going on you know everything everything that causes you to react to it is a stressor you know and uh, you know a lot of that stress we can manage but a lot of it is yeah, we can't. And in any case, it keeps us in that state of alertness and being in that state chronically is, is very bad. So getting out into nature, getting out into the wild is the best way, in my opinion, to immediately help regulate that, you know, to, to bring, you know, to bring us back down to uh, that sort of state of rest and relaxation, take some quiet time in the forest. Uh, there's studies that show that even after half an hour of, of being in a forest, heart rate starts to go down um you know again triggering these these um these responses that, that cause us to get come back to that state of rest um so yeah i may i'm always trying to get out there you know it's sometimes you have to be a bit creative when you live in the city before yeah. you know pre pre-covid breakout i was getting on a train uh at least once or twice a week to just head out to a lake somewhere and, and this again this comes back to spending time outside of your comfort zone you know, there's been a lot of studies as well to do with environmental enrichment. I don't know if you're familiar with this no, term. No, no. They've done a lot. Right. Okay. So, so this is particularly important when it comes to learning. Um, they find that people learn better if there's a presence of a novel factor. Okay. So, for example, like you know that you're more likely to remember something that's funny. You know, if it's something that you haven't seen before, if it's different, you know, obviously these are sort of you could start talking about strategies that you use in marketing where people put product placement in places you wouldn't expect it and stuff like that. You know, if it's different, we tend to remember it. And um, what they found particularly in studies with rodents is that when they put them in environments where they've got lots of stimulation, lots of things to play with the, uh, the uh, ability to, to, to do fitness, you know, mouse wheels and all this kind of stuff. Um, that they uh, tend to process information better and they, and they respond to the, the tasks and challenges that they give them then um, better than the, than the rodents that are put into, you know, non-stimulating environments, you know, that don't have anything for them to, to interact with. Um, and they found the same thing for humans. And, uh, and what tends to happen is if we're in environments that, that give us this enrichment, this environmental enrichment, um, we start to, start to produce things like um more uh 
brain-derived neurotropic factor, okay, being a big one. Uh, so lots of people watching might have heard of this, might be aware of some of the research that takes place with that, but it basically enhances your ability to learn. Um, so, you know, it goes hand in hand with learning, um, but again, it's, it's also getting out and, and getting outside of your comfort zone. You know, going somewhere that you're not familiar with forces you to adapt to that environment. Uh, and again, like mindset-wise, I, I think that's really important. So I'll quite often, without too, too much more waffle, um, I'll, I'll quite often just pick a spot on the map, be like, right, that place looks green. It's got a lake. Uh, you know, that looks like there's probably some parts in the woods. I'm going there. I'll get on a train. I'll go there with just a rucksack. You know, I'll set myself a time, right? I want to be, you know, I want to be here by this time. And then I'll just run. I'll spend the day there. I'll chill out. I'll explore some places, go to a new cafe or whatever, uh, you know, and then come home. And um, yeah, for me, that's a big part of health. I love that, man. Like I grew up in the countryside. People have no idea what it's like to just walk through the woods, maybe maybe on your own early morning. Just like the, the, there's, mm. there's kind of like an energetic buzz. It's weird. It's kind of, it comes up from the soil, the trees. There's a, there's a smell as well. There's like a warmth feeling. There's a smell. It kind of feels protected. You've got all this, you've got kind of got this, what would you call it? Um, kind of just the biology around you, like the animals, the plants, you can, mm-hmm. you can kind of feel them being alive. Like this, the sense yeah. of survival growth, you know, what they like, they've all got their own little habitats. Like there's an entire ecosystem and you're in it. Absolutely. In the center of it. I just think that's unbelievable. Um, yeah, mate, na- nature has a presence yeah, for sure, you know, and, uh, um, you know, the, the great thing about science is, you know, everybody's always <laughs> sort of looking towards, towards science to give us all the answers. And, and that's great. Like, I think everyone that has like a, a coaching service should be evidence-based, you know, you should be able to justify the practices that you're, that you're using. And, and my mission is always to, to try and take some of these more kind of left field sort of hip, hippie-ish type um, stuff and, and, and really unwrap the science that underpins it so that I can turn it into something that's practical for everyday people. Like we were talking about on our phone call before, you know, yeah, I think one of the, sure. right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think one of the tragedies for a lot of people when it comes to stuff like, you know, yogic practices and these kind of ancient sort of wisdoms that, that get passed into our, into our culture is that they're often dressed up in this sort of flowery language and, um, you know, unfamiliar kind of context that tends to put people off. And they're not aware of the science and they don't really get it. And it's just like, yeah, oh, I'm not really spiritual. It's not for me, you know, but the, the sad part of that is that there's lots of benefits of this stuff and, and the science is out there, you know, but we just need to take what we know actually works and repackage it for people that haven't spent half their lives, you know, meditating in the Tibetan mountains, you know, <laughs> I would actually, that's what I was going to say was that one of the great things about science is that actually uncovers more about what we don't know than what we do know you know and that's one of the one of the massive benefits of doing new research is that it picks holes in all the shit that we think we know already and then it it paves the way for more research and it's this never-ending kind of cycle and and so you know even though we're always looking to science even within the scientific community you know we're aware that there's loads of stuff we do not understand and 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 in any case, you know, we do know that all living things are giving off frequencies. Everything's, you know, got energy there in some capacity or another. And, and you can feel it. You can definitely feel it, man, when, you, when you're out there, like exactly as you said it. You know, you walk through a forest, especially in the early hours. And that's a really interesting one to do with light. You know, 
many people will be aware that light plays a, a role in managing our circadian rhythms and our circadian rhythms are really influential on how much energy we have, our mood, our brain's ability to re-regulate the neurotransmitters that, you know, and the chemicals that are going on in there. And one of the really interesting things I was reading about light, and I, I really want to, want to verify as well, but I only read it a couple of, uh, a week or so ago, is that the, the frequency of the light that, that happens about an hour after sunrise, um, it has a, a slightly different effect on um well it basically has a, a much greater influence on the production of serotonin okay, okay? and, and ser- the serotonin cycle kicking the serotonin cycle off first thing in the morning has a, a hugely beneficial impact on um your ability to sleep later that night because it goes into this cycle where it then gets transduced later on in the day into melatonin which is the thing that makes you want to go to sleep so Actually, that's, that's this is one, one of the, yeah, it's super it's interesting. Same, it's the same light, right? It's not going to have any more yeah. potency. I could be way off on that. I'm not an expert. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Apparently, you know, that the, the eye is tuned to the different frequencies of the light and the, the light early on in the, in, in the day is, is, a, is a certain frequency that triggers this, this much much greater release of serotonin first thing i, I like i say I'd, I'd like to do a bit more research on that one and corroborate it the audience can feel free to do that as well <laughs> but yeah this is one of the reasons why we use these filters on our phones and things you know because what they're actually managing is the frequency of the light you know the ones that actually work they're not just filtering um you know out the amount of light they're actually they're actually managing the frequency of the light so so that's why they help you to feel tired, like in the evening, and don't keep you awake and stuff like that. That's done in the army as well, isn't it? Right? They they had um, I saw an experiment where they had goggles with blue light around the eyes so that they could stay awake for longer and stay alert for longer. Is that something oh, really? you have experience with? No, 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 I'd, no. I, I wish. Like <laughs> yeah, I could do them every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, there's nothing worse than uh, yeah nodding nodding on on your sentry position because you've been awake for two days straight or whatever no i definitely could have done with a pair of those uh, multiple times uh during during my career there um i think we're approaching around about an hour now so i was thinking uh just so that you can get your kind of pitch in there as well otherwise it's not fair if we go on so long and you know as youtube figures show Mm. people drop off as you go so um if people wanted to find you, wanted to find your stuff, wanted to follow you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, the, the best way to follow me would be to uh, find me on Facebook. Um, so that's Theseus Body and Mind. Um, I've got a free online community. Anyone can join that and check out the, the content that's going up there. There's plenty of free free content going up to um, sort of talk about the sort of, sort of stuff that I provide, talk more about all the stuff that you know I've covered in this show. Um, and, uh, you know, the way to work with me is that I provide a, an ongoing coaching service. Um, I've got new, new, fairly new service now, which is for, for people that want to go well beyond the average. And that's my, my limitless service. So that's for people that really want to not just get in shape, but take their performance to the next level. Look at optimizing every aspect um, of their lifestyle, including sleep, mood, um, you know, diet, mindset management tools for um for a successful you know winning mindset so uh, so that's the service that i provide and yeah plenty of plenty of free content on facebook if they want to check me out there 
and uh, all other platforms, same thing, DCS, DCS Body and Mind. So that's where you find me. <laughs> Hopefully you get a lot of people coming over. Um, one thing I was going to ask you for the streaming service, would you be willing to do a couple of like fitness challenges, kind of like top gear based fitness challenges? Or we follow you around, yeah. drones. We set you on this like sort of task. We just we come up with certain. I don't know. Maybe there's some famous ones that are out there. Maybe we can make some up and just say, okay, you've got to get from here to here with this mm. amount of supplies. Or just you know, we can just make some shit yeah. and just say, look, let's survive. Let's go back to the old school. Let's see how fit you are, and like you know, just inspire people that way. What do you think? Make make fitness interesting. You you can have asked somebody more game for that. <laughs> I'm actually desperate for a, for a challenge right now. I've been uh, been texting one of the, the one other person I know who's sadistic as me about this sort of thing to see if he's up for for something brutal. So yeah, just feel free to throw a challenge my way. All right, sounds yeah. awesome, man. I'm I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, like I say it's nearly an hour, or so I, I think it might be a bit more. So we'll call it a day. Um, but Cameron, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, buddy. I think you've you provided a bag of information that I can uh, get out to the audience, especially through the snippets and stuff. But not only that, but I think you've added a whole new dimension. Like the way that you're doing things is mixed in with the mentality. I think it's it's refreshing to see. You know, like I said, it's the old school kind of military background, but with more of a subtle, modern, like you said, hippified mindset, but brought together into this kind of concoction. Uh, which I think in the modern era is going to be a winning recipe for so many guys out there. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I'm, you know, I'm more than happy to talk about this anytime. So uh, yeah, look forward to the next one. <laughs> it has to be a next one. Appreciate your time. Perfect. Thanks thank so you. much, man. See you soon. Take it easy. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah, catch you soon.